and the oscar goes to tom hanks in philadelphia and the oscar goes to lupita nyong'o and the oscar goes to halle berry in monsters ball and the oscar goes to hilary swank in boys don't cry and the winner is marvelous meryl streep and the oscar goes to heath ledger in the dark Knight. and the oscar goes to olivia colman welcome to this week's episode of academy queens i am tay in the win joey gentilly and why isn't there ever any wine i'm brandon stanwick that is fucking perfect for you oh my god <laughs> I, I, when when i heard that line I knew that was going to be my intro. <laughs> that is perfect. Um, and this is Academy Queens, your LGBT guide to the Academy Awards per decade per category. And this is, Brandon, take it away. Which one is this? This is 1994. Yes, the class of 94, which gets a lot of shit, but I am defending it right now. This is a very good year. It has its moments. Yes, I like it. I like it. It's got some good nominations in it. I'm not going to say I, I love it overall, but it's got some uh, charmers in it. Yes, I would agree. I don't think that every um, nominee here is perfect. Um, I wouldn't even call every nominee good, but this is overall a good year. The good outweighs the bad. Uh-huh. Um, but a side little note, because it's totally out by now. So we are we just did a double recording. So right before this was our that mystery bonus episode of The Boys of 1974. So I'm about a half a bottle of wine in. And I have switched beers. I am now drinking a Rheingeist beer from Cincinnati, and the name of it is Y'all Peachy. So That's amazing. I'm, so I'm drinking the Timothy Chalamet of beers. Ooh, are you going to Timothy Chalamet that beer can? Of course. <laughs> that might get um, like really bloody, though. That oh god, could you imagine using a beer can as a masturbator? I'm sure someone's Ow. done it. Ow. Um have you ever had Rheingeist's bubbles? Yeah, I love bubbles. I think that was my introduction to Rheingeist. I uh, when you first said Rheingeist, I was gonna interrupt and be like, oh bubbles, but I'm glad I didn't because the peach thing worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, nineteen ninety four. I was two, so I wasn't watching these Academy Awards, but I was alive for them. Sure. Um, but this is also a kind of controversial year for the actual Academy Awards because this is the infamous David Letterman host uh, year. Mm. When um, not very good, not a very good host. That's what I hear. There was like an Uma versus Oprah joke that went on for way too long that wasn't funny to begin with. And uh, yeah, real, uh, real interesting year. That's basically the consensus that I've heard. I've, I have not watched the uh, telecast from uh, mm-hmm. this year, but I have heard that it was um, one of the worst. So I kind of wish I would have been doing this all along, but I mentioned to you, so when you lived here in Cleveland, there's this bookstore that you worked at, and I totally did mention this to you, that when I had first went back, to L- or back from L.A., I was like almost 21, I totally hijacked a book from your bookstore which was an Academy Awards complete unofficial history guide by Jim Piazza and Gail Kinney. Oh, um, you did this, tell me this. Yes. That was before but, I worked there. That was before you worked there. That was before we knew each other. I paid for my sins and I donate to charities. I'm a good person. Fuck you. Um, 
but uh, it's a great book that has seen better days. And at this point, it's up to date uh, to the first 83 years of the Academy. But some first week or uh, there's some info and some like fun facts about every Academy Awards ceremony. And I wish I would have been doing this all along. But get this. Um, it's mentioned that the House of Harry Winston lent more than $12 million in rare jewelry to presenters and nominees. Jennifer Tilly, who was nominated this year for Bullets Over Broadway, fairly drooped and dripped with $1.2 million worth of diamond bracelets, diamond and platinum ear clips, and a blinding diamond choker. Jesus. If she, like, holy shit, if you lose any of that, that comes out of your pocket. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's on loan. That so, is yeah. insane. Man, I wish people trusted me with that amount of money. But they probably no, should. They probably should. No, I don't want any of that. No, thank you, ma'am. No, thank you. Um, another little thing that is different is that earlier today I put on our Twitter, I was like, hey, you guys have any questions about the ladies of this year? Um, send them and we'll answer them. So we're going to do a little Q&A at the end of this. Um, so we've got uh, we got a couple questions. So. If we are going to get to them, we got to dive in. So I'm ready when you are. Okay. Your uh, supporting actresses from 1994 were... Rosemary Harris in Tom and Viv. Helen Mirren in The Madness of King George. Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. Jennifer Tilly in Bullets Over Broadway. Diane Weist in Bullets Over Broadway. Okay, let's start with our winner, Diane Weist from Bullets Over Broadway. This is her third of three nominations and her second of two wins, having won for Hannah and Her Sisters in 1986 and nominated for Parenthood in 1989. Going into this, she was pretty much a frontrunner for the award because she wins the Golden Globe, the SAG, the Chicago Film Critics, the Dallas Film Critics, Kansas City, Los Angeles and New York Film Critics, the Independent Spirit Award, and the National Society of Film Critics. The only one, the only major award that she really seems to have lost is the Boston Film Critics. And in Bullets Over Broadway, Diane Weiss plays Helen Sinclair, a seasoned diva of the stage who is attempting to make a comeback. So thoughts on Diane Weiss and Bullets Over Broadway? I love this so much. So I've been very vocal since we started this podcast and reviewed a Woody Allen year that there is not one Woody Allen movie that I actually like except for Bullets Over Broadway, and we're finally here. Um, couple things. Number one, yes, I love this movie. I think this is a, probably, I wouldn't say for me it's Woody Allen's best, because again, it's the only one that I like. Um, but Sinclair is everything that I, earn to be, I yearn to be when I'm older. Just so over the top and so ridiculous and so glamorous that it's disgusting um diane is brilliant here she is comedic perfection she is so much fun to watch her don't speak don't speak don't speak is like i just want to do that to people all the time and it's funny because i also see a lot of you brandon in her oh really yes when she does the don't speak because like, you're such an introvert until you get to know you, and even then you're still a little bit of an introvert. But, like, I, you don't, you, you in public, I could totally see you doing that to someone. Like, covering up, don't speak. Like, I just, I think I thought of you when I rewatched this completely. Um, I think Reese is really, really good here. And finally, for me, 
it makes up for her Hannah and her sister's nomination. So I like it. So I'm perfectly okay with being compared to Diane Weiss because I think she's just beautiful in this movie. Um, I think this performance is hilarious and also very sneaky in the way that she's totally manipulating the John Cusack character who's writing and directing the play that she's hoping to make her comeback in. Because she's at this point, when the movie begins, she's kind of old news. Um, she's kind of going by the wayside in terms of her popularity and her bankability as an actor. And she's hoping to use this to sort of be her relaunch into stardom. And she wants the role to be right for her. And so she's like very, very sneakily trying to manipulate Cusack into rewriting the character little tiny bits at a time to make her more her flavor as a performer. And in a way, just make the character more her because she wants the she wants all the attention to be on her. But she's also just super funny in this role, and I just eat her up every scene that she's in. Uh, Diane Weist is truly remarkable in this. It's crazy this is her most recent nomination because she's just so damn good in it. It's crazy that she hasn't had more roles uh, nominated since. I think she's great in Bullets. Yeah, and again, I just want to be here when I grow up. You know, there's that scene where we are kind of really introduced to her and her agent's like, you're only really known as a troublemaker and a, and, a, and a drunk these days. And she's like, I haven't had a drink since New Year. And he's like, Chinese New Year? She's like, yeah, that's two whole days. That's a lot for me. What did you expect? And I'm like, yes! Or like when she goes to the bar with Cusack and she's like, I'll have what are two martinis, very dry. What do you want? And I'm like, oh my God! I just, I love it so much. She is so such a, a queen in this movie. Yes. I just want a Helen Sinclair movie. Yes. Like, I just want a... And I know we do this a lot, where we're like, there could have been this actress for this. No. No. Diane Weist is Helen Sinclair. Yeah. I know I don't really want Woody Allen to be making any more movies, but if he announced that he was going to pick up with Helen Sinclair wherever she would be right now, so what, like... 25 years later i guess it would be i would consider allowing him to make that movie with diane weiss even though in the back of my mind i would be screaming but diane weiss is just so good that she would make me consider being okay with that okay so total confession too and i agree with you there when i first saw this movie at 18 even though the title is (laughs) bullets over broadway I was convinced for like a year that the movie took place in Chicago. Really? Is Don't it the, ask. is it the gangster thing? Yes. Yeah, I, I think mean that, gang- gangsters are sort of associated with Chicago. I think like I can the, see that connection. Yeah, like I didn't, it didn't realize, like it didn't connect with me that despite the title, it doesn't take place in Chicago until like kinda, a year after I saw it. It kind of has that sort of Al Capone vibe, I guess you could say, with the uh. uh how do you say it? Chaz Palminteri? Ch- Ch- Chaz Palminteri, yep. Yeah, so he kind of gives you that sort of 1920s, 30s Chicago gangster vibe. So I can, despite the title and the location of the movie, I can see the connection. Despite everything, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yep. <sighs> good good one. That's, that was a good starter. Let's just transition right into Jennifer Tilly, also nominated for Bullets Over Broadway. This is her first and only nomination, and she doesn't get any 
major precursor recognition going into this. She basically has the Oscar nomination. And in Bullets Over Broadway, Tilly plays Olive, a loud and crass showgirl who's dating a gangster, and she wants to be a Broadway star. However, she has no training or a little thing called talent. So thoughts on Jennifer Tilly and Bullets Over Broadway. So she's working on a signature laugh, something like, ha, 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 he, he, he. (laughs) That is such an adorable line delivery of hers. And talk about, again, doing comedy right. Um, I love this just as much as I love Diane Weiss' uh, role here. And this nomination is the quintessential self-campaigning nomination. And, you know, I just posted this on our Twitter page a couple days ago of a recent Larry, I don't know if it's a recent interview, but it's a Larry King um, thing with Jennifer Tilly, where she talked about how she had to campaign her own Oscar nomination by going on to talk shows and taking out her own ads because the studio didn't recommend her for anything. That That's why she didn't get, you know, the SAG nomination and the Golden Globe nomination. And that is so shocking because ah, she is so goddamn good here. Like Olive is, Olive is a throwback to me from like the Leslie Ann Warren character in Victor Victoria, where she's got her own accent. She's so over the top. She's so loud. She's so campy, but she does it perfectly. And I, there's not one. And you know how, how good of an actress you have to be to play a bad actress. Like a bad actress couldn't play a bad actress. Jennifer Tilly does it perfect. Didn't I tell you to make horse d'oeuvres? <laughs> that line killed me. <laughs> Was this your first time watching this? I had seen it years ago in like middle school or high school when I was going through like my Woody Allen marathon back when I would like marathon, I pick a director and just like check out everything they had at the library and Woody Allen was like one of those directors like Sidney Lumet and Robert Altman. So I, it had been a long time. So, and I had forgotten pretty much all of like the little details. Like I knew basically what the movie was about and that was about all. But revisiting this and revisiting Jennifer Tilly's performance in this just completely floored me. She is so damn funny in this. And yeah, she is so bad. as or Olive is so bad and in the most delightful kind of heartwarming way where you kind of want her to succeed, but at the same time, you know, she has no real business being in this world and she's really only there because of the pull that her uh, love connections have. She's just hilarious. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. It's a, it's a scene stealing performance and I think it's a really great early outing for Tilly. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, Tilly is, and I think, no, because it would have been Shirley MacLaine and what's-his-face, Warren Beatty were the first sibling duo, or maybe it was the Barrymores, the Barrymores and then them, but Tilly joined her sister Meg with being a sibling pairing at the Oscars, same category, nine years apart. Mm. And, you know, they're, I mean, you know Meg voted for her, like, without a doubt but you know i'm just sad that hollywood never really was like wasn't able to do anything with her you know tilly was a big name in the mid 90s because of this 
liar, liar. And then when she hit the Chucky movies, it was just like, okay. But, like, Jennifer Tilly hasn't had a theatrical released movie since 2004 with Seed of Chucky. Hmm. Like, I get that she plays poker. I get that she does this. But, like, put some respect on her goddamn name. Like, I need a Jennifer Tilly comeback. Yeah. Um, I mean, she would go on to follow up this with Bound. And if you haven't seen Bound, I mean... I've never seen Bound. Check it out. I mean, it was on Hulu, I think, for a time. Not sure if it still is. It is so worth checking out. Um, She's wonderful in that. But I think there's something really special to be said about a performer who can create a character as insufferable as Olive Mm. and make you love her. Yeah. Because I think Olive is so fun. I kind of want to be around her. If only just to say that I was like, I would love to be at a party that she's at. I don't know if I want to hang out with her long term, but I just want to be in her presence. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think that's really special. Uh, Jennifer Tilly did something really cool with Olive, and I'm so glad she got her Oscar nomination for it. And I am here for it, as the kids say. Yes, the kids say, yeah. And she's got many great one liners, you know, a little bit of poultry when she's having this affair for an example, and that was my original opening for the, as you said, the kids so they know. Um, but I was actually genuinely shocked the first time I watched this, and they killed her off. Yeah. I had completely forgotten about that, but yeah, the build-up to that is really nice. Like, I had forgotten about it, but as it's about to happen, I was connecting the dots. I'm like, oh, I see where this is going. And then it yes. happens, and her scream when she when she bites the bullet is... So funny and so tragic at the same time. Like, it's this really Uh complicated feeling that you have when she dies. Because you kind of want to laugh, and at the same time, you're actually kind of sad. Right. And I would like to say, though, and it goes back to the clip that I posted just the other day about Tilly and this Larry King interview she had. There is one thing I do disagree with her on. In the interview, she said, clearly, in Bullets Over Broadway, Diane Weist is the lead in the movie. And I gotta be like... Baby girl, what are you watching? Because you both got like equal amount of screen time here. Yeah. Maybe Weiss has maybe a minute or two more than you, but you're both not. You both are secondary characters. Yeah, they're both equal secondary characters, I would say. Weiss might have more lines if you want to do that sort of high school drama club counting of the lines thing. Highlight them all. Yeah, because she has more chunks. Like she, I'd say she has more monologues and meteor paragraphs. Yeah. But in terms of, like, time on screen and what they're both giving to this movie, I'd say they're pretty equal. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Rosemary Harris, nominated for Tom and Viv. This is her first and only nomination. And going into this, she wins with the National Board of Review, and that's about all the recognition, major recognition she got. In Tom and Viv, Rosemary Harris plays Rose Haywood, the mother of Vivian Haywood who seems to be one of the, and she seems to be one of the only people who's somewhat okay with her daughter's relationship with uh, Tom. So thoughts on Rosemary Harris and Tom and Viv? I really enjoy her in this movie. I remember I had just seen Tom and Viv the first time in this past year. And I remember watching it to make sure that I got everything, uh, you know, covered at the Oscars. And... I was, like, dreading going into it because I'm thinking it's, like, this period piece, like, Merchant Ivory, all that shit. And I was very surprised at how, first of all, fast-paced this movie is for the type of film it is, and just all around how much I liked it. 
And a lot of it came from Miranda Richardson and Rosemary Harris. Now, Harris suffers what I think Miranda Richardson did in the class of 92 or yeah, 91, whenever, wait, 92. Yeah. Um, with damage where she doesn't really have anything to do until that last scene. And it's that bedroom confrontation, but what she does, she delivers a tour de force of strength to her character. And you know that she means business and she is not taking any more shit. So, while small up role, yes, and sprinkled in from the beginning all the way to the end, Harris delivers. And that was another thing, too, is I did not expect, even though it is supporting, for her to have that much screen time. I was surprised by how much I liked Tom and Viv as well. I didn't really know a whole lot going into it, and I was kind of expecting a stodgy period piece as well. But there's actually a lot of liveliness to this film. Um, mm-hmm. For the bulk of Rosemary Harris's screen time, she has a very quiet demeanor, but there's um, a hidden power behind her presence in this movie. And you know that she's a character with influence who's going to um, tip the scales when she needs to. And yeah, you, it takes a little while for you to finally get that, but there is a very incremental build up to it. And Rosemary Harris, I think, definitely displays why she is a well-regarded figure in the acting world. And um, I think she's really, really doing well here with the material that she's given. I think she's uh, finding all the little facets that make this character interesting and adds um, some flavor to the scenes that she's in. Even when she's not, when it seems like she's not doing a whole lot, she really is behind the scenes. So next we have Helen Mirren nominated for The Madness of King George. This is her first of four nominations. She wins at the Cannes Film Festival for this, and she is nominated with the BAFTAs and with the London Film Critics. In The Madness of King George, Helen Mirren plays Queen Charlotte, who sort of struggles to keep her husband, the king's mental state, under wraps so as not to upset the nation's political situation um, abroad and domestically. So thoughts on Helen Mirren in The Madness of King George. So unlike Tom and Viv, where that is a period piece that I truly enjoyed, I struggled with The Madness of King George, and I struggled hard. Um, First of all, Helen's category placement is weird to me because I don't know what to do with her. I'm okay with her in supporting, but I'm also okay with her in lead. So I'm very limbo on if she should be there or not. I do think that her performance here comes off very theatrically. Like it almost feels like even though they were making a movie, Helen Mirren thought she was on a stage. So it doesn't fully work for me as much as I'd like it to. But what she has to do is believable, but there's... There's something so stagey about it that I'm not I'm not really sure all around about this performance. What about you? Yeah, I agree with you on the theatrical nature of this performance. I know theatrical is kind of a, a, a word of criticism that people like to throw around a lot with film acting when it gets to be a little too much, and that's kind of like a little pet peeve of mine. But with this performance, 
I do agree with you that it does at times feel like she's on a stage as opposed to on a set with a camera. Um, particularly, there's a scene, if I'm not mistaken, where the king is having some sort of episode in bed, and she's on the bed with him, like, screaming for help. It's, like, slowly coming back to me. And I remember thinking, dial it back a little bit, Helen, because it, it felt like she was screaming to the back of the audience in yeah. a way that didn't feel quite so authentic for the film, not in the way that someone might scream in real life for assistance. Um, in terms of category placement, I'm also okay with her being in supporting. I could see the argument for why someone might want to put her in lead. I guess you could say that she is the quote-unquote female lead, and I guess I could see why a studio or even an actor in her position might want to just go ahead and throw their hat in the ring for lead. Um, but I'm totally okay with her placement here because it's not really her story, even though she is playing a pretty um, important role in it. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting first uh, nomination for Mirren, but um, I can't say that it's my favorite. So. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I don't know. This is definitely, yeah, this is definitely not my favorite Mirren nomination. Okay. Our <laughs> final supporting actress is Uma Thurman, nominated for Pulp Fiction. This is her first and so far only nomination um, she doesn't have any major wins going into this other than an MTV Movie Award for Best Dance Sequence, but she is also nominated with the Golden Globes, the BAFTAs, the SAGs, the Dallas Film Critics, the National Society of Film Critics, and the New York Film Critics Circle, and a mo an MTV Movie Award for Supporting Actress. In Pulp Fiction, Uma Thurman plays Mia Wallace, whom John Travolta's Vincent Vega is tasked with entertaining while his boss slash her husband is away. So thoughts on Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction? If there was ever a winner for fan favorite at the Oscars of any year, it's Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. She is the fanboy favorite of the year. There is... Something about Uma Thurman that drives people wild, and I'm not sure if it's Uma Thurman or the movie itself. Okay. And while I think she is good, I also find Pulp Fiction, and I will put respect on the name and put and give props where props are due, for the time it came out, amazing. But I don't think with what Tarantino has given us, it actually falls at, at my second least favorite Tarantino film. It was number, it was my dead last of his movies for a long time until this year when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out and took the honor of being his worst film. But I don't think the movie has aged well. Not because of politicalness, not because of this and that, but because we got such a good debut by a, a visionary director and writer that he just kept out doing himself in other projects. Now, regarding specifically Uma Thurman, she's very little to do in this movie other than go to dinner, snort some heroin, die, come back and order a $5 shake. There's nothing really going on with her character or a character arc as more as that she's a prop and a pawn in this collective story. So she doesn't have much to do, but what she does do, she does well. 
but I'm not blown away like other people are. Um, first of all, I hate that fucking hair. That wig is awful, but it's an iconic look, and I get it. Yeah, I mean, Kill Bill was her performance in Kill Bill One was so much better than this, you know. So I'm very shocked that this is her only nomination. It's a fanboy nomination. I'll stick with that. Yeah, um, I don't want to get too crazy into my feelings on Pulp Fiction or Quentin Tarantino, but um, it's definitely a groundbreaking film that definitely you know changed the course of cinema or however you want to put it. And um, I don't want to disregard her nomination by saying it's the fanboy favorite of the year, but um, I think she is definitely taking you on a ride, kind of, you know, alongside her and Vega in the movie. Um, You definitely see her many very abrupt ups and downs in in her segment of the film. And yeah, like you were kind of hinting at, it, it became an iconic look an iconic uh, personality in modern film. And I don't fault her whatsoever for that. Um, I think she's pretty good for what she has. There's something about Pulp Fiction and her performance that feels very, I don't know if artificial is the right word, but it feels very engineered. And I think that's partially on purpose from Tarantino, considering all the things he's pulling influence from. I'm kind of struggling to kind of put it into words because I have very complex feelings on Pulp Fiction as a movie, but I definitely admire it. I don't want that to be misconstrued. It's a movie that I totally respect and understand why people revere it in the way that they do, even if I don't quite have the personal fondness for it. But Mm -hmm. um, the way the movie is sort of manufactured in a way, I think kind of works for her character and her performance because I think Uma Thurman is kind of playing into that kind of how we spoke in 1991 with Laura Dern really leaning into what Rambling Rose is going for, I feel like Uma Thurman is really tapping into the vibe of Pulp Fiction. And she's really writing this um, homage film that Pulp Fiction is. Like, it's an homage film while also being a pioneering film. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I think it's working for her. It's a performance in a film that I think I respect a little bit more than I love. So that's kind of the the bare bones of my complicated feelings on this movie. Understood. Understood. So that was our uh, final supporting actress for the year. Heard, heard. Well, transitioning into our leads, your nominees for leading actress of 1994 were... Jodie Foster and Nell. Jessica Lange in Blue Sky. Miranda Richardson in Tom and Viv. Winona Ryder in Little Women. Susan Sarandon in The Climb. All right, starting us off is Ms. Jodie Foster as Nell in Nell. This is Jodie's fourth of four nominations um going into oscar oh and her most recent too which just is weird to me um going into oscar night she was nominated for the golden globe for drama but she won at the very first sag awards for lead actress in now again jodie foster plays now a woman who is discovered living in the backwoods of the country and has really developed her own way of living, her own language. 
and is then taken into pretty much government custody on whether or not she can survive in the real world or not, or what is the real world to everyday people like you and me. So, Brandon, what do you think of Jodie Foster in No? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> um, she commits. That's something. Um, Jodie Foster definitely commits to whatever in the hell she's doing in this movie. I'll give her that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't. I honestly can't tell you if I've seen this movie before. I was watching it not too long ago, and I was like, I feel like I've seen this, but I honestly can't remember. Like, I was getting, like, little deja vu moments, and then also I couldn't recall the slightest thing that would happen next. So I don't know if, like, my mind was just repressing this really bizarre film from 1994 or what, but um, Jodie Foster's uh, something. She's something in it. I could, I'll give her that. I don't know if it's good, <laughs> but um, she's she's doing something. Say in the wind, banana. I love Jodie Foster and no. Like, God, I got a really good friend by the name of Tori. We used to live together, and I would just for hours and days, I would just scream at her, Tay to win, and talk to her in Nell's language, and yada, 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 because I just find this performance so deliciously ridiculous, and it is one of those iconic for being ridiculous performances um, and movies, and for me, like, the biggest upset about this movie is having Liam Neeson, he just seems so miscast in this world of Nell um that it just that part doesn't work for me but I really like her in this I just think it's such an out-of-the-box performance and she I mean granted SAG doesn't weigh have as much weight on it now as it did the year it debuted but I mean in a way she was a front runner going in but I don't think the Academy would have given her three Oscars so close together yeah uh out of the box is one way of putting it that's for sure. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you kind of really shade a performance like that. I I don't know. I was watching this movie and I just kept thinking, what the fuck is going on? And I don't know. It's 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 a bizarre nomination for me. It's a bizarre performance. All I can say is Jodie Foster seems to have given it her all. She was she was putting in the time and I I believed that she believed, and I guess that's that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it, love it. All right, next we have Winona Ryder as Joe March in Little Women. Going into Oscar night, she had zero precursors. Um, this is her second of two consecutive nominations and her most recent. And in Little Women, um, again, Winona plays Joe, who is kind of the... Um, the poster child of rebellion during the, uh, oh, what was that war? <laughs> the Civil War. <laughs> Jesus, this wine is kicked in. Um, during the Civil War, and it's a story about her and her sisters and her mother surviving at a time when women weren't at all taken seriously. And all she wants to do is become a writer. And unlike me, where all I got to do is find me a rich man, she decides to turn down a rich man, which is stupid as fuck. And what do you think of her? <laughs> For some reason, this movie, just as a whole, doesn't really seem to work for me. Um, I find my mind wandering a lot 
throughout this movie. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's the period nature of it or it just moves a little too slow or I just don't really find any of the characters very interesting. But for some reason, I just, I'm not very fond of this. And her performance in it, I think, is fine. I guess it fits the movie, and I don't really have any major notes of criticism for it other than just for some reason it just doesn't really jibe with me um it's just kind of all around all right for me i don't know how do you feel about it well i agree with you the, the little women's story just isn't interesting and i honestly don't understand this hype over this greta gerwig remake like i watch film twitter going gaga for it and i'm just like it why it, this movie's been told, the story's been told so many times before. And I was like that too, by the way, with something like A Star is Born last year. I'm like, we've seen this three times. Like, the only thing different is new actors. Like, it's just, ugh. Ugh. Winona Ryder, I like her work in this better than The Age of Innocence, which we talked about last week. And she's giving me what I needed her to give me in The Age of Innocence. But I'm still not, like, blown away by this. Um, a, a good two-thirds of the movie, she's part of a ensemble, so I was really, when I revisited this on Netflix last week, I, like, really debated on why she was in the supporting category, or, I'm sorry, why she was in the lead category, because I was like, oh, this is an ensemble piece. There, none of them are actual leads. And then I'm like, okay, there's a good chunk of the movie in the third act where it's just her. But I, w- I will say, out of all the girls... She's not the one I would have nominated. I would have probably gone Claire Danes. Oh, okay. I could have yeah. seen it. Yeah. Yeah, there's something... I don't know. Maybe this movie just wasn't made for me. And considering, you know, what the movie's about, that's definitely a possibility. But I just don't find the character of Joe March, at least with what we're being presented with in this movie, very interesting. I have not read the book. And, of course, you know, Greta Gerwig's film is not out yet at the time of this recording. And I'm interested to see what she does with this material and her cast as well. But I just don't find the character or the film all that intriguing. And I guess that kind of works against Ryder's performance for me personally. It mm. just It's just not for me. And um, I don't want to, like, hate on the movie because I think that's simply it. I'm just not the audience for this movie. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Now, I am shocked because, you know, as people listening do follow us on, you know, if you follow us on Twitter, you know, we do our four-year consideration ads before each season starts. And I've done, out of this leading lineup, I believe I, yeah, I did Jodie Foster for Now and Winona Ryder for Little Women. And nine out of ten people responding were all about this win for her. Hmm. I mean, Winona Ryder's great. I mean, I'm, I love her in other yes. things. Um, this is not one of them. Yeah, this is not my favorite. But Winona Ryder, um, I think she's great, and I think she deserves to be back in the Oscar conversation. I'd love for her to make a, an Oscars comeback and perhaps win for something. But um, this one's just not just doesn't do it for me. Agreed. All right, we have Miranda Richardson as Vivian Haywood in Tom and Viv. This is her second of two nominations and her most recent. Going into Oscar night, she had a Golden Globe nomination for Actress in a Drama, a BAFTA nom for Actress, which fascinates me that it's only a nomination here, and I'll say why in a second, and then a National Board of Review win for Best Actress. In um, Tom and Viv, again, Miranda plays Vivian. Um, she plays a woman 
who gets married, who then goes through a mental break and essentially does some quirky, funny shit like the chocolate bar scene to uh, get back at the people around her. So what do you think about her in this? I love this bitch. Um, I want <laughs> I want to go to brunch with Viv. Um, Miranda Richardson is giving me everything that I needed from her um, in Damage, and I love it. I think she is hilarious. Um, I resonate with this character so much and her need for there to be wine at the events. <laughs> and her scene, um, when they're at the reading of the will and she's kind of losing it and she's only really interested in what has been left to her and what her share is and she goes on her like little rant about what do you suppose the the legal position on sandwiches is it just like blew me away i was like what the hell is this performance and i was i was kind of living for it so she delighted me pretty much through and through, and her unraveling as the film went on, I found deeply fascinating. The weird, like, mathematical problems that people would ask her to solve in order to prove her sanity, for one thing, I could not solve them, and I started questioning my own sanity. And I was like, no wonder this bitch thinks she's crazy, because everyone's asking her to solve this astronomical shit. But... Yeah, I was definitely feeling for her. Um, I was into it. Yeah, I agree. Like I mentioned with Rosemary Harris, Tom and Viv, I, I, I didn't I didn't look forward to viewing, and then I really enjoyed this film, and it is because of the performances. Miranda Richardson is giving me life here. Like she's such a shady cunt, and I and I live for that type of shit. And you know, it's sad that people dismiss this nomination as well as Harris's. Because just like in 1994, it is the least seen of all ten nominees here. Yeah, I probably agree with that. Yeah, I mean, even box office-wise, Tom and Viv was the lowest grossing movie to be nominated at the Oscars in 1994. And, you know, I'm I mentioned I was shocked that not even BAFTA took familiar with it, because usually, I would say eight times out of ten, BAFTA goes for a British nominee in their wins. Sure. I mean, that's just my observation of the baptas um so yeah it's just you know this is just a fun performance for what is supposed to be a serious movie and i'm here for it yeah um i love her drunken gossip at the dinner table i don't remember like i don't remember the exact line but there's like some lady at the head of the table speaking and she kind of has this like glass of wine in her hand and she leans over a little bit too heavily to the person next to her and just starts spilling all kinds of tea and then casually goes back into the conversation of whatever's going on. And I was just living for her. I wanted to be the one she was whispering shady nonsense to. I, I loved it. Miranda Richardson is so goddamn good in this movie. Yeah. And you know, even like when she's, what is she making like crank calls from across her husband's office in that phone booth or whatever it is. Like there's just, I feel like this performance for this character is so ahead of its time that it's so, again, it's so sad that people don't get to view this movie. Tom and Viv gives Miranda Richardson so many opportunities and she just runs with them and not in an outrageous way. Like, I guess it's a little bit outrageous, but I totally believed that Miranda Richardson was a real 
a real person doing this. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't seem yeah. like she was phoning in something, I don't know, abnormal. Yeah, and you know what? I don't know about you, but yes, the movie is a quote-unquote drama, but I would have been totally okay with them placing her in the comedy musical category at the Golden Globes for this. It has some comedic elements to it, but also yeah. kind of like we were um, discussing earlier, it's a comedic performance with a little bit of tragedy in it. So like yeah. even when you're laughing at this person for this performance and it, when she's delightful, you also kind of have to recognize that this is a person whose mind is sort of deteriorating. And even though it is humorous in a sense, it's also pretty depressing in a way. So she kind of really rides that dramedy line and I really dig it. Me too. I'm glad you like I'm glad you like this. Yeah, I was surprised by how much I liked it. I thought it would just be some run of the mill period piece. movie. And yeah. she would be giving me like just your standard buttoned up period performance. But Viv is on another level. I, I loved her. I I want to dine with her. Ooh, I'm excited to I have a feeling I know who's your one, but I don't know. You never know what happens with this shit. Look what happened in 74. I gave it to Finney after right. all that rave review. You never know. We have our winner of this year, Jessica Lange, as Carrie Marshall in Blue Sky. This is Jessica's six of six nominations. Blows my mind this is her most recent nomination. Um, going into Oscar night, she wins the Golden Globe for Best Actress in the Drama, the LA Film Critics Association for Best Actress, the National Society of Film Critics nomination for Best Actress, and a SAG nomination for Best Actress. In Blue Sky, again, Jessica plays uh, Carrie, is a wife of an army man, played by Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, who is a very big seductress and is honestly just bored with life and is getting sick of moving around and is doing every little thing she can to entertain herself in a time when women were supposed to be prim and proper and homemakers and she's not having any of it. Um, I would like to point out that Blue Sky was made, I believe, in 1990 and then sat on a, in a on a bank vault in New York when Orion Pictures went bankrupt and therefore wasn't released until 1994, just qualifying for the Oscars. So, Brandon, what do you think about her in Blue Sky? If you had told me that she did not receive one piece of direction in this movie, I would totally believe you. And that's not shade. I believe that Jessica Lange just ran with it. You know, the... I don't want to like detour us too much but do you remember like the oscar campaign for Kate blanchett with blue jasmine where everyone kept saying how woody allen didn't give her any direction it was all yes. her and she just made all the decisions and it was completely her i would believe mm. that if you told me that about jessica lang and blue sky because it just feels like she is just going at full speed in her in her totally jessica lang way and it's a kind of a it's a melodramatic movie and maybe it gets a little over the top at times, but there's a part of me that kind of digs it. I mm-hmm. kind of I kind of enjoy the totally off the deep end nature that this movie um, dabbles with from time to time, and and I think it's a I don't think it's a bad performance. I know some people like to hate on it, saying you know it's a little bit too much and she's over the top and she's just you know just Kalang at an eleven, and that's not invalid criticism but um i think it kind of works for the movie and yeah i if i was here for the jessica lang show if you're a fan of jessica lang 
I mean, this movie is a must-watch. Yes, agreed. Um, give me my goddess. Give me everything that Dollar Store Jessica Lane can't be. This is it. You know what I mean? Like this, I love Jessica Lane in this performance. Um, she is so good here, and I don't understand why she gets so much shit for this movie. I truly enjoy her, but I'm also critical on her like I have been in the past, like for Tootsie or Sweet Dreams. Um, you know, I gave the Oscar to her in 84 for Country, and this is such a good role for her. And you know what? I was remember watching an A&E biography on Jessica Lange years ago, and it is actually available on YouTube. You can search for it, where the beginning of the biography is a, a, one of Jessica Lange's friends' voiceover that says, Jessica knows how to make a man feel like a man. She mm-hmm. has that type of sexiness to her. And this movie proves that. Not that it needed to be proven or hasn't already been proven, but this movie is that sentence in a movie. And she does really good work here. It's sexy, it's realistic, it's beautiful, and I really like her in this. I think this is really good for her. I think I understand why people shit on it. It is kind of, it's a little bit over the top, the performance and the movie. It can be a little bit too much at times. You kind of want to dial it back, the melodrama and her performance at times. But kind of like what we were talking about with Uma Thurman, I think Jessica Lange fits this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like her performance doesn't belong in the movie. It seems like she's really leaning into whatever this movie's trying to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has her over-the-top moments. It's a very bold character. Like, when she's riding in on the horse in the end to kind of, to disrupt the, the, was it, the bombing, the bomb testing, or whatever. And, you know, when we're first introduced to her, she's, like, skinny dipping, isn't she? She's in, like, the, the lake yeah. or the river. And in we see Hawaii. her, yeah, from the uh, the helicopter. So mm-hmm. we're introduced to this sort of loose, fun woman from the very beginning. And we have a very good idea right from the get-go who this person is. So her choices throughout the movie don't strike me as bizarre for what the movie is. Um, the movie is a little bit heavy handed at times and kind of goes off the rails a little bit. And I think that's just the nature of the movie that she is Mm -hmm. reflecting. So I don't hate on it. I can understand why other people, it's not their speed, but, um, I think she fits the movie. Yeah, I agree. I a hundred percent agree. I think she's really good. I like her a lot. Mm -hmm. I will say too, it's funny and it's only... I mean, I have my moments, but it's mo- when I'm watching performance. Um, so I haven't been, or I used to be a cigarette smoker for 10 years. And uh, I just in August went one full year without cigarettes. But Yay. even to the, even, yeah, thank you. Yay. Um, but even to this day, when I see Jessica Lange smoke on TV, I want to light up with her. Because there's something about her, when Jessica Lange smokes that is so goddamn sexy. And if I could put an image of sexy smoking, it's Jessica Lange with Blue Sky. Mm. Does that make sense? Sure, yeah. 
I mean, I don't, I've never smoked, so I can't, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't quite have that personal connection, but I can definitely understand why you would have that feeling. Our final nominee this year is Miss Susan Sarandon as Reggie Loves in The Client. This is her fourth of fifth, fourth of five nominations. Going into Oscar night, she wins the BAFTA for Best Actress, and then she had a SAG nomination for Best Actress. Um, in The Client, Susan Sarandon plays, again, Reggie Love, who is a recovering alcoholic lawyer who gets tangled up in a case about a boy witnessing a murder, a uh, murder-suicide. No, take the back. A suicide that could have been a murder, um, regarding a very dangerous man with some dangerous information. And it's based off of a John Grisham novel. And what do you think of Susan Sarandon as Reggie Love and the Client? So I think, um, just like we were saying with those previous nominees, I think she fits this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that the client is really giving her all that many um, opportunities to really showcase her talent. But Susan Sarandon is definitely a force in her own right in this film. And um, I wanted Reggie to be my lawyer when it was over. Like, she has this this um, influence to her where you totally believe that she's a warrior. And that's Susan Sarandon for you. Um, I'm not sure if the movie's really giving her the chances to really uh, give us an Oscar, Oscar-worthy moments, per se. But um, that's just the nature of this movie. But Susan Sarandon, I think, is definitely finding the opportunities within the story. How do you feel about it? First of all, I hate her name because I just think Reggie Love sounds so generic, even for a fake character. That's John Grisham. I don't know. That's John Grisham. Um, I also time that Susan Sarandon doesn't show up into this movie until 36 minutes into it. So there is a full solid chunk of this movie where this character doesn't exist. Yeah, there is a lot of of um the young boy in the first yes. act of the movie. And yeah, you're right, she doesn't show up for a while. And I remember kind of thinking while watching this, it was getting to like the 20, 25 minute mark, and I was like, when does Susan come in? It was right. it's an interesting introduction given how long it takes for her character to enter the story. But once she's there, she's there. Yeah, it just felt like a very long visual prologue of a book until we get to the main character almost. Like, I mean, you're, you're, I'm a reader, but you're like a reader. Like, you know what I mean? With those prologues that just seem to go on yeah. forever. That's what the first 36 minutes of this movie felt like to me. I'd be um, really interested in, I don't, I've never read The Client. Uh, that's a Grisham novel that I haven't read, but um, I'd be interested in, what the the breakdown of pages is like that the number of pages in the book it takes to get to her introduction does mm-hmm. it match the ratio of minutes in the movie you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah i wonder now regarding the movie before i get to the performance specifically, specifically too this feels like a theatrically released lifetime movie okay i can see it it i feel like it builds up to something that never delivers and it's a bit disappointing and I love me a good legal crime drama. I mean, hello. I gave Holly Hunter an Oscar for The Firm last week. Like, because I 
a love that performance, but love the firm. Like that played a huge part into it. But I'm just left. This is like a really awkward sex date or a, a hookup. Like I had, I had the sex, but I'm not satisfied. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. this is that movie for me. Yeah, the movie does play it a little bit safe yeah. for me. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that a, a blockbuster film based on a John Grisham novel got into lead actress. That's uh, something we don't see a lot, very much anymore. So I think mm. that's kind of cool in its own way. But um, yeah, the movie's just a little too buttoned up for me. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of bleeds into her performance, even though I think she is kind of doing with it what she can. Yes, and that leads me into her actual performance. Um, I think her her accent work here is good, but she's not giving me a whole lot of details about her character outside of just who she is and where she, like, yes, yeah, she's an alcoholic lawyer, but what else do we know about her? And I don't mm-hmm. know if that, that's not so much Sarandon's fault, but I feel like if you have the writing and you, as the actor, can't portray what isn't there for us to really, like, sympathize with you, that is your fault. I wonder how much more of that is in the novel and how much in the course of the adaptation was left out, fearing that the character might read as unlikable mm-hmm. because she's a woman. You know what I mean? I mean, literally, she, she's introduced as, you're a lady lawyer? Never mind. Yeah, yeah. That The boy totally turns his back on her when she's a woman, which totally, so, like, sets up her whole, like, struggle with being able to make it as a successful lawyer in this region of the world. Yeah. It's just, it, I wonder it's, how much of it was taken out because they didn't want it to be too unlikable, quote-unquote. Yeah. I don't it's, know. It's... it's, it's it's an inspiring nomination. Yeah, I mean, she's doing... She, I have nothing bad to say about it. It's just one of those um, performances that is not necessarily her best by any means, but mm-hmm. I think there's definitely um, ways it could be improved that mostly deal with the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if there had been a little bit more texture in the writing and the way the story was told it would have helped her as a performer. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that's all I had. Shall we get to the rankings? Okay. So as a recap, your nominated actresses in 1994 were Diane Weist in Bullets Over Broadway, Jennifer Tilly in Bullets Over Broadway, Rosemary Harris and Tom and Viv, Helen Mirren in The Madness of King George, and Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. I am giving my number five spot to Helen Mirren in The Madness of King George. Um, she's just a little bit too much for me in this, and it kind of took me out of it. Um, and yeah, it's definitely not my favorite Helen Mirren performance, so she gets my number five. Heard. Well, I am actually agreeing with you. Um, Helen Mirren is also my number five. I mentioned she feels very theatrical in a... She feels very stagey in a movie, which doesn't come off good for anybody. Um, And, again, I'm just very wishy-washy on where she should be placed category-wise. But, yeah, she's definitely not the best here. Number five. 
Yeah, my number four is going to Rosemary Harris for Tom and Viv. I really enjoy her in this, and I think she's doing some really nice things. But uh, the movie does just doesn't give her all that much to showcase until the end. It's it's always kind of there, and you kind of have to dig for it. But um, it, she's definitely not the one that you're left thinking about when the movie's over. So Rosemary Harris, number four. I am giving Uma Thurman my number four. Um, again, I think... I actually didn't mention this. I think she's not so much playing the role. The role is playing her, if that makes any sense. Okay. But she feels more like a pawn in the story, and instead of making it her own with what little she has to do, it's kind of like she's not wearing the dress, the dress is wearing her. Yeah, that's what I thought of when you said that. Yes. So because of that, fan favorite Uma Thurman is definitely number four on my list. Uma Thurman makes my number three, and it's interesting that you you bring that analogy into it because... I, th- I think that kind of plays into this sort of manufactured nature of this character and this movie and the way it's all very cerebral in the way that it's put together. The way that Tarantino is bringing all of these homages of pulp fiction, you know, lowercase p, lowercase f, pulp fiction of the past into mm-hmm. his movie and presenting it in a very bold and groundbreaking way for 1994 and i think uma thurman is really working in that world i think she's kind of playing into that very engineered nature of it all in a way that i think is working but um yeah i just like the bullets ladies a little bit better so uma thurman gets number three heard well my number three is rosemary harris so this is where we're switching even though we have the same number five and the same final two um harris is delightful and just like miranda richardson and damage it takes a long time to get to her moment and i've also gone on record before saying i'm not an give an oscar for a moment type of person but she's really good where she's good and therefore She's number three, but again, I'm not a give a person an Oscar for a moment type of person. That why, that way she couldn't win. Plus two, yeah, the Bullets ladies are just comedic genius, so there's no way anyone was getting past those two. Yeah, I mean, I have the Bullets ladies, uh, Diane Weist and Jennifer Tilly left in my one and two, and this is a really hard decision because they are both gold in their uh-huh. own ways, and I keep going back and forth on it. But I think... I have a couple reasons for why I'm going to go this way. I'm giving Diane Weist the runner-up spot, and I'm giving the win to Jennifer Tilly for the year. Diane Weist is hilarious as Helen Sinclair, and I just eat her up every time she's on screen. I want her to have her own movie, and she is remarkable. One of the reasons I'm choosing to make her runner-up is I already gave her one, and I want to award someone else in the moment. And Jennifer Tilly only has one opportunity and I'm running with it. Not that's not only that's not the only reason because she is also a genius in this movie. She is perfect as Olive. She is beautiful and wonderful and funny and I also eat her up every time she's on screen. And you know what? I just want the bride of Chucky to have an Oscar. So there. <laughs> 
I am a little shook, not because I didn't see that, but because I thought if you were ever going to place a tie somewhere, it was going to be here. Wouldn't it be funny if there was a tie from the same movie, like in real life, if there was a tie and it was from the same movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With that said, I also have Jennifer Tilly and Diane Weist left, and I am... Definitely going to agree with you here. Diane Weiss is the runner-up. Jennifer Tilly wins this by a solid couple miles. Diane Weiss, brilliant, funny, hilarious, life goals. I get it. I'm here for it. I want it. Give me more. But Tilly is the definition and why I started saying, if you do comedy right, you get the Oscar. Period. End of story. Brilliant. Why this woman is so not used in Hollywood is beyond me. Again, it is so hard to play a bad actress. You have to be such a good actress to play a bad actress. I just, I don't understand why she didn't get any love precursors and why she didn't win this. Why? I have no explanation. Um, I can only imagine that it's... Uh, the established actress versus the newcomer. Um, that's the only real uh, rational explanation that I can think of, just going off of, like, reasons on paper. But Jennifer Tilly is great in Bullets Over Broadway. Like, I've run out of adjectives in my mind. Yes. Because she's just delightful in every single way, and I so badly wish she had an Oscar. She's beautiful, delicate. Name the movie. <laughs> Oh, I I just thought, you know that clip of Oprah Winfrey describing Gail King? Yes. That's us and Jennifer Tilly. Yes. However, that beautiful, delicate was Joan Cusack in Adam's Feeling Values. Ah. Yes. You fail turning your gay cards. Now you have to start eating pussy. Good luck. I don't believe Um, in gay cards. That's a conversation (laughs) for another time. Woo! All right. So, ready for leads? Okay. We had Jodie Foster in Now. We have, man, this wine (laughs) has really hit. Uh, We had Jodie Foster in Now, Susan Sarandon in The Client, Winona Ryder in Little Women, Jessica Lange in Blue Sky, and Miranda Richardson in Tom and Viv. And guess what? Just like 1993, Winona Ryder found her ass dead last. Why she was nominated? I don't know. I don't know. Your turn. Um... So Jodie Foster and Nell gets my number five. I'm I'm confused. Um, I am confused. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say. Jodie, you did something. You got in, but you're five. <laughs> heard, heard. Um, my number four is Susan Sarandon. Uh. Great job getting in, but this is definitely not your best, Um, which is sad because she was coming off of Lorenzo's Oil with this, and you and I both gave her the Oscar for that one, and this is just interesting for a nomination. So yeah, Susan Sarandon at four. Um, Winona Ryder is my number five. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It just didn't work for me. The movie, or frankly, the performance... It's just not my cup of tea. So Winona Ryder gets my number four for Little Women. Heard. 
Well, my number three is actually Miranda Richardson and Tommy Viv. <gasps> yes, that means I have Foster and Lang at number two, mister. We have definitely disagreed there. Um, but Miranda Richardson is brilliant. She's funny where she needs to be funny, and she's dramatic where she needs to be dramatic. Um, but there is something I'm loving more of the last two, and again, it's that number third, sometimes number four thing. They're just, the other ones are doing a little bit more. So, Miranda Richardson at three. Uh, Susan Sarandon is my number three for the client. Um, she's all right. She's, um, doing everything she can, I think, in this movie. That's just not really giving her the opportunities and the texture that I think she would need to get higher up on my list. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe after Lorenzo's oil, she just needed uh, to chill. And this movie provided her the perfect outlet for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to say that she's phoning in anything. I think she's definitely doing her work. But um, this movie is just not giving her the chances that her other nominations g- give her. So Susan Sarandon at number three for the client. Her. So, yeah, so I have Lang and Foster left. Um, I just realized, too, this is the highest I've ever had Foster. Oh, wow. Taxi Driver, Accused, and Silence of the Lamb. She was um, three or less. Hmm. So I feel like you might want to fight me in the parking lot. Um, yeah, I'm giving the runner-up spot to Jodie Foster. I agree with the Academy, which is very rare for me. Um, that Jessica Lange was the correct winner of that year. Let's start with Foster. I like now. I think it's fun. I think it's good. Can't be. The movie suffers for me when it comes to Liam Neeson. He's very miscast here for what's going on. But Foster's a delight. She's so much fun to watch. And, like, I, she's fun. Like, I would love to go get drinks with Nell. <laughs> like, if Nell speaks like that sober, I want to hear how Tay and DeWin sounds drunk as fuck. So, because of that, I gotta give her number two. But Lang is a revelation here. This is also the second Oscar I've given Lang. It is also the last time I can give an Oscar to Lang, as of today. Not that she has anything coming out this year that'll put her on the map. Um, which I want to talk about that here when we're done in a second. Um, but yeah, Lang is great. I think the Academy got it right here. I think Lang is perfection, and this is two Oscars behind this and Country that I would have given to Lang. Well, I also have Lang left, as well as Miranda Richardson. Um, I don't think it's any secret. Uh, Jessica Lang is my runner-up. I'm giving the win to Miranda Richardson for Tom and Viv. Um, I don't hate on Jessica Lang for this win or for this performance like other people do. Um, given this lineup, I think it makes sense why she would win. Um, I think she's doing what this movie needs her to do. It's just that kind of movie and that kind of performance. But Miranda Richardson divine i was so taken with her i think she's turning out a really lovely performance and i felt for viv she made me laugh and she made me sad for her and i just wanted to hang out with her and hug her and drink with her and go to brunch and (laughs) i think she's great in tom and viv so miranda richardson gets my win for the year okay i did not expect that from you i didn't expect that from you until you started talking about richardson Originally, I thought you might have gone with either Ryder or Lang. Um, and I thought you would have tied Weist and Tilly. So you did kind of throw me for a loop there. I think Weist and Tilly as a tie would have made sense. But mm-hmm. um, I just keep making decisions. 
What did I take you by surprise, sir? Um, I didn't think you would love Nell quite so much, but um, I did foresee Jessica Lang winning for you, and Jennifer Tilly didn't surprise me either. So I think I guess the surprise of the episode was how how much you your how ride or die you are for Nell. I'm not ride or die for it, but it is fun. I'm very curious to understand though why what you have against Nell. Like, did she find your sister skeleton in the woods? Be honest. I don't know what it was. It was just so it's so ridiculous to me. Like I I don't know. I guess I just never really bought into the story and mm-hmm. The only thing I can really give Foster credit for is she seems to be really going for it, but it just it just turned me off in a way, and I was never really pulled in, and it was just so what the fuck the entire time I was watching it. Heard, heard. Now I wanted to comment really quick before we get to these questions. When I mentioned about Jessica Lang, we'll talk about her in a minute. So Lang has not gotten what she deserves in Hollywood. I feel since this Oscar win. Ryan Murphy seems to be giving her the best projects, except for Freak Show, season four of American Horror Story. I think that was probably the worst we've ever seen laying in an American Horror Story. I would like to mention, though, that her, that candidate show she's got coming out on Netflix, that is Murphy's. Did you see that trailer? No, I have not watched the trailer. Okay, there's a line in that trailer where she goes, I don't understand why that gay boy is so upset because you called him a butt much. That's what gays do. They... They munch butts and celebrate Halloween. Oh my god. That's pretty accurate. That I just that is so not shady shade because it's so true that I'm just like, oh my god. (laughs) I'm I'm looking forward to that show. Even though I don't know much about it, I don't really like watch trailers and read reviews like I used to. I like kind of just I'm kind of at a place where I just like kind of going into things, not Mm -hmm. knowing very much. But knowing all the people who are involved with it, I'm really into whatever this show is gonna be. Heard that. Well, shall we get to the questions? Okay. Okay. So, again, I had mentioned on Twitter today, we're recording the class of 1994 tonight. We'll answer some questions about the ladies of 94 if you got them. So, we got a couple. I'm going to start with the with the one who came in at um, way past our cutoff time, but it's totally cool because we still love you. Nathaniel Clay, your friend. I am late, and that's fine. Would you rather Jody have an Oscar for Nell instead of The Accused and Blue Sky Sucks? What other Jessica Lynn-nominated performance would you give her the second Oscar? Well, Nathaniel, I'll start off. Um, I like Nell. Yeah, I would have given her the Oscar for Nell over The Accused. However, Blue Sky does not suck, and this is what I mean by I feel like people really hate on this movie, and I don't understand it. Um, outside of other Jessica Lange performances that I would give the second Oscar, I kind of already answered that. Blue Sky and Country. Okay. Is the que- is the question implying second Oscar, like, past 1994? In general. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess past 1994, I mean, it's been so long since I've seen these ones, but Blue Fish comes to mind, or Blue Fish, Big Fish comes to mind. I remember really liking her in Big Fish. I'm also just a fan of that movie. Let's see what else is there. I know she did Julie Taymor. Julie, I'm blanking on the name. Oh my God. Ju- yeah, Julie Taymor. Her version of Titus. I remember really digging her in that. That movie's also just kind of bonkers. She was in a movie called Hush with Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, I remember God. her being very, it's not a very good movie. And it, I remember her just really like kind of 
chewing scenery in it. And so that's just a fun performance. Is it Oscar worthy? I don't know, but it's fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, those come to mind as post blue sky movies. Well, you forgot his first part. Would you rather have Jody and Oscar for now instead of the accused? Um, no. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. There you go, Nathaniel. Um, next up, Ian Daly. Do you see any of the nominees aside from Helen Mirren being nominated again? Oh, like in the future, post-2019? I mean, I can see Jessica Lange coming back. Um, let's see. Uh, Diane Weist, I could see making a comeback with a really good role. I don't know. Yeah, this one's a little weird because post-1994, Susan Sarandon and Helen Mirren both were nominated. Susan the next year where she won for Dead Man Walking, which we'll talk about next week. But if this question relates to today, I don't know why you think Helen Mirren is so certain to get nominated again because it has been a decade since her last nomination. But you never know. Well, decade, um, yeah, but also she is the most recent. That is true. Um, here's who I'd like to see nominated again. Definitely Jennifer Tilly and definitely Jessica Lange. However, here's who I see could get nominated again. Winona Ryder, Susan Sarandon, and Lang. Okay. I'd be very interested to see if, um, if Jodie Foster ever gets nominated as director. I think that'd be yes. interesting. I think yes. is she the she's I think she's the only one nominated this year who has like a a directing career. I mean, I'm uh, sure they I'm sure yeah. other ones have directed something, but I'd say she's yeah. probably the one with the biggest directing career of them. I mean, Sarandon, Lang, and Ryder are the most recent nominees for anything. That's the Golden Globes and the Emmys. Uh huh. Well, Foster, too, actually. Foster's gotten some director nominations for Orange is the New Black. So, yeah, right. Ryder, Sarandon, Foster, Lang are the most recent for any type of nominations. Yeah. Um, Harris and Tilly and are kind of the under... Even Weist. Harris, Tilly, and Weist here are the underdogs for really not getting any recent nominations for anything. So, I mean, yeah, Rosemary Harris is getting anything. She's, like, retired by now, and she's on death's door, if we're just being honest. Um, yeah. I would say Ryder, Sarandon, and Lang for acting. Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that makes sense. Well, beyond the box set, in what was arguably the weakest best lineup, best actress lineup ever, who would you add and who would you give the Oscar to? Do you mind if I start with this one? Okay. I would say this is not the weakest best lineup, best actress lineup ever. I would argue that 1997 and 2014 were the weakest best actress lineups ever. That's of the entire Academy Awards. So I don't agree with you there. The only person I would have seen personally that I can think of offhand is Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies, at which point I would have taken out Winona Ryder. And Curtis would have definitely been my winner of this year. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies was the first one that I thought of. Um, there's another contender from this year who is disqualified, and that's Linda Fiorentino for The Last Seduction. Um, from what I understand, um, HBO, I think it was, aired the film before it could properly release in theaters in order for it to qualify. So she was 
disqualified from the con- from consideration. But she is really good in the last seduction, and I definitely could have seen her getting in here. And um, I could maybe even see her getting my win. I'd have to revisit it. But I remember being quite fond of it, of her performance when I saw it way back in the day. So yeah, Linda Fiorentino in The Last Seduction is definitely worth checking out if you haven't. I feel like we've talked about that at some point before. I think we talked about it in the episode with Craig, 1988. Was it that, or was it when we talked about Liv Allman the year of in 74 when she wasn't for Scenes of a Marriage? Because oh, it maybe, was kind of like the same thing. Oh, right. Maybe I just keep bringing her up. I don't know. Maybe I'm just <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen it. It's good. Yeah, from what I I don't know like all the details, but I think I think it was HBO had like the TV rights to it, or they were they co-produced it or whatever, and they aired it on TV before it could open in all the theaters it needed to in order to qualify for the Oscars. So it was kicked out, which sucks Perfect. for the movie and for Linda. Yeah, well I'll have to I'll have to go visit it one day. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, this has been a fun episode. Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, one of these days, I'm going to totally surprise you. I'm, I'm waiting for the day where I just have you completely drop your drink. Oh, dear. And someday, maybe someday I'll tie someone and you'll drop your drink. <laughs> well, the thing about it, too, is I was thinking as we were doing this, I was like, there's not been a singular year yet where we have agreed in the order and the winner of both categories. I know we agreed in, what was it, 70... 72, we agreed on winners, but not the order. No, 77 with the lead actress, the year that for the turning point. Oh, yeah, yeah. That has been the closest we've ever come to matching directly. Yeah, didn't we match up in supporting in 89? I don't remember. Julia Roberts, Lena Olin, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. 77 just seems to be the year that sticks because that was the year that it was like the first time it happened, if it happened. Okay, sure. So I'm waiting for the day where we 100% agree on who's where. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, until next week, I am Joey Gentile. And I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And this has been Academy Queens, your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per decade per category. And this has been the class of 1994. Bye. See See you later.